Mike, hi, Dan Dick out here. Hey, how's it going? Going well, thanks. Cool. Well, I, I just want to start and say thanks thanks for joining me for this. I, I really appreciate you taking the time to do it. it. It's been a lot of fun catching up with former Mavs. I've been a, a lifelong Mavs fan and I started trying to reach out to some of the guys that, you know, maybe didn't spend a lot of time here or you know, maybe people that might forget. So just thought it'd be fun to catch up with guys that I, that I remember playing as a fan. Yeah, no worries. I think it's actually kind of cool because, uh, I mean, I don't think anybody remembers, honestly, that I was with the Mavs because it was for such a short time and then, you know, only four games. <laughs> uh, you know, I think I was there for three total months and four games because I was kind of stuck behind some guys. But, yeah, it was good. Yeah, cool. So, yeah, if you don't mind, what, what I typically do when, I, when I'm talking to former players, just kind of ask them, like, how they got started in basketball and then uh, gradually move from, you know, high school to college and their professional career and then maybe talk a little bit more about their Mavs experience and, yeah, um, and we'll just go from there. Okay, sure. Cool. So can you can you tell me, you know, about your start in basketball, what age you got started? Sure. got started in basketball when I was – pretty pretty young i mean i was a typical kid played all the sports soccer baseball um played football in the backyard even though i wasn't big enough to play on an actual real team growing up um played a little played a little golf in the backyard whenever uh you know i could find a club in the garage that fit me but basketball was always the sport that i had the most interest in i was always uh the one that it was the most fun to me you know i was I'd like to think I was pretty athletic at a young age, so I picked up uh, all sports pretty quickly. I was good at most of them, but basketball always seemed to be the one that I gravitated towards, and so I spent more time at it, and therefore, you know, you start becoming, you know, better at it at a younger age than a lot of other kids that you're uh, that you're playing with on different teams. Was there a particular point where, I mean, obviously you said you, you, like you kind of figured out that you were better, but... Like when did you notice that you were significantly better? You know, as in terms of a, like a future D one player or just something like that. Just yeah, with a lot with a big upside. Sure. You know, I, I grew up in Portland. You know, grew up as a huge Blazer fan. In second grade, in second grade, we moved uh, just across uh, the, the Columbia River to Vancouver, Washington, which is kind of a suburb of Portland, which isn't necessarily a basketball hotbed uh, across the river. You know, but I was always a Blazer fan. I was always into it. You know, I had always kind of knew that if you're not in kind of a true basketball, um, kind of centric basketball crazy area, you know, you got to be good enough to get noticed. You got to be good enough to be able to overcome a lot of the perceptions. Um, and so I realized that pretty, pretty early on in my career. You know, as a as a freshman in high school, I was able to. Um, float between JV and varsity my freshman year. After about five games, I was full varsity. By the end of that year, I was starting. And, you know, as a kid, even my whole, my, my goal and my dream was to play in the NBA. Uh, it always was from the time I was about six, seven years old. But you're getting, you know, you're getting constant comments from kids in school, whether you're, they're your friends or not, or, hey, there's no way you're playing in the NBA or from Vancouver, Washington, all this stuff. And, you know, I was one of those few kids that never let anybody's doubt of me allow doubt to creep in into my own mind frame. Mm-hmm. And so as I started getting older and in high school, you know, you, you start kind of piecing together. Okay, well, that's my goal. 
that's pretty lofty that's out there. What else do I need to do to maybe, maybe have a chance to do it and get there? And so, you know, eighth grade, ninth grade year, you start thinking college, you know, hey, this, what do I have to do to get in college? What do I have to do to be good enough to get looked at to, um, to do those things? And so, you know, after my freshman year, I, I started playing on first real experience of an AAU team. We didn't travel really outside of the West Coast because it wasn't, you know, AAU as you know it now, where teams are, of all ages are traveling all over the place. But we played a number of teams across the West Coast. And, you know, I stacked up more than favorably against guys. And, you know, it kind of starts spurring it. Okay, you know what, what do I really have to do? So take care of your academics, keep working at it uh, on the court and improving. And then after my sophomore year, played on a real AAU team that, that finally started going out and playing some national level AAU tournaments, playing guys against guys from across the country, you know, and I'm, I'm more than holding my own. I'm actually, you know, one of the better players on the team. Um, and so that's when my recruiting started picking up mostly West coast schools, all the WCCs, all the, excuse me, big skies, about half of the PAC 12, which was the PAC 10 at the time. And then there was a few schools on the East Coast and the Midwest, the, the you know, the high academic institutions that, you know, because I was a good student, um, they expressed interest. But mm-hmm. um, my recruiting was, was pretty, pretty simple, pretty straightforward. I was a kid from Washington. Uh, UW had, his, had an inside track from the start. I felt that there was a need for me there. And, you know, it didn't pan out due to injuries and some different things for me. So luckily I was able to transfer to, to Gonzaga two years into my college experience, which really allowed me to grow as a player, grow as a person, and give myself an opportunity to, to make my end, end goal and dream and play in the NBA. That's awesome. Just uh, I wanted to go back briefly to something in high school. I was just curious, were there any – or who, who would you say is the most notable high school player you played against during your high school career? You know, so – Obviously, in the Portland area, um, some of the other guys in that time frame, a uh, high school rival of mine, um, Richie Fromm, played at Gonzaga. Oh, yeah. Um, we he were, was on the Sonics. We were good buddies growing up. Yep. He played in the NBA for about three and a half, four years. We yeah. were we were teammates in sixth grade, actually. That's awesome. Um, and crazy to think that we became college roommates, good friends, and teammates at one point in the NBA when we were both on the Clippers. Yeah. Uh, Freddie Jones was a guy from the Portland area at the time um, that was we'd always cross paths at open gyms. Ime Udoka, who's been at a number of stops, he's now an assistant with the Spurs. Right. Um, you know, he's a guy that was always at open gyms and, and uh, has become a friend of mine over the years. Um, those are a couple of the names that probably people would recognize, you know, right off the bat. You know, four NBA guys from that small little pocket is, is pretty unique for, for a city the size of Portland at that time. Yeah, for sure. That's really cool. You played against some pretty notable guys there. One thing I wanted to ask you about your experience at uh, Gonzaga, and it's not even necessarily a basketball question. So growing up in Dallas, I went to a a Jesuit high school, and then I I went to a Jesuit college at St. Louis University. Were there any, like, benefits or anything that you, like, enjoyed from from your Jesuit education at Gonzaga? Was there anything particularly memorable about it for you? Yeah, you know, I I grew up in a a family that you know, had faith. We'd mm-hmm. go to, I guess you'd call it church hopping. Um, you know, my <laughs> parents kind of guide, guide us in a certain way. And, but we weren't, you know, tied into any particular church uh, mm-hmm. for any extended period of time. You know, I, I 
would like to say I had a strong faith, you know, a developed a strong faith through middle school and high school, which is a lot of your formative years. And, right. you know, college, uh, once I transferred to Gonzaga, you know, the, the Jesuit kind of background of, of having classes where, where priests um, taught a lot of the classes, mm-hmm. you, you know, you, you get into conversations and you learn a lot of different things and you see, you know, just how many different experiences for being in some of those classes that a lot of people come from, you know, in, in different Christianity and backgrounds and, and, and how, um, you know, there's lots of different unique experiences tied into, you know, a, a total belief in, in, in God. And, and so, you know, I think that the biggest thing with the Jesuits is just the learning experience with Gonzaga was just the openness of, of caring about each other and helping each other and wanting to help um, teach. Uh, I think that was most impressive to, impressive to me. Absolutely. I, I agree with everything you said, just in my experience in, in high school and college. So I, I, that was something I wanted to ask you about. So I know after, after your years at Gonzaga, you, you're drafted by Sacramento, but you spent your rookie year in Atlanta. And this is the 2002-2003 the season. And you actually got to face the Wizards and play against Michael Jordan a couple times. Can you touch on that briefly? <laughs> uh, the only time I've ever stopped uh, stepped foot on a basketball court and actually kind of been intimidated, like awestruck. <laughs> like, I mean, I grew up as every kid my age. You know, I'm I'm 39 now. I mean, that was when when I was a kid. Michael Jordan was at his peak, winning championships with the Bulls, dream team, all that. And so the only time I've ever stepped on a court and kind of like looked over my shoulder and dumped in a double take, like oh my gosh, that's Michael Jordan, <laughs> um, was those two games. Yeah. Um, you know, pretty cool. I had I got switched out onto him a couple times. He missed both shots when I was guarding him. So, you know, right. I'd like to think I could take <laughs> some claim to fame. But really, I think it just had to had had something to do with him probably feeling sorry for me that I was switched out on <laughs> them guarding him. But no, it's pretty cool to be able to look back. And, you know, I, I have a chance to tell my son, um, you know, I played against Michael Jordan. I run some workouts here in Spokane and, you know, some of the high school kids I was working out last night, you know, they were talking about who's the greatest of all time. And I'm listening to them talk about these guys. And I just shake my head because they go, who do you think? I was like, dude, it's not even close. Mm-hmm. Don't even go there with that question. It's Michael Jordan. I mean, LeBron's as close as I think anybody will be be mm-hmm. but he has a lot of work to still go to get to that point not saying he can't do it um but just he's had the advantage of you know coming in from a high school age and, and so many things michael jordan to me is is still the greatest yeah no i i agree for sure so i know before you came to the mavs you briefly stopped in portland was that fulfilling a a dream for you of playing for the blazers absolutely i mean that was that was my, I mean, I say I have a dream of playing in the NBA as a kid, but in particular, I had a dream of and a goal of being a Portland Trailblazer. I mean, yeah. I grew up uh, in Portland, and then moving to one of the suburbs, and I mean, I could name, I mean, all Blazers from you know that night, late '80s, early '90s era. I mean, Danny Young, Steve Coulter, Audie Norris, Kiki Vandeweghe. Then everybody knows Drexler and Porter and Kersey and. I mean, I could go on and on and name mm-hmm. stats where schools they're from. I mean, so to be a part of that organization um, was definitely a dream come true. But, you know, at the end of the day, once once you're in a game and the ball's tipped, it's no different than you're playing for anybody else. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. 
And that's cool that you, that you got to just fulfill that part of, of your dream though. That's really awesome. Yeah. So that summer after your stint in Portland, I know you're traded to golden state and then eventually traded to Dallas. And what were your initial impressions of coming into a, uh, a Don Nelson training camp? Well, a couple things, you know, I got traded uh, from Portland to golden state and I was kind of looking forward to being a part of golden state, mm-hmm. you know, because it's still on the West coast. I, I thought it was a good opportunity for me. And then we're getting ready to move down to, to have a moving van, ship our stuff the very next day down to, to the Bay area and across the ticker, excuse me, Eric Dampier, Dan Dickow, and I can't remember the third guy traded to <laughs> Dallas Mavericks in exchange <laughs> for, I think it was Tariq Abdul-Wahad and, and somebody else. And so, you know, I was kind of an afterthought thrown into that trade to get to Dallas just to make the numbers work. And, mm-hmm. you know, kind of odd, you know, a week and a half later or so, they had a press conference of all the new guys, but I wasn't involved in the in the press conference. <laughs> so, I mean, you could kind of see right off the bat that, you know, there wasn't necessarily a lot of thought and a lot of plan that I was going to be a part of that organization um, moving forward. I mean, if you looked at the roster situation going into camp at Dallas, there was 17 guaranteed contracts. Oh my gosh. Myself being one of them. Yeah. And I was kind of the guy that was odd man out looking at it because going into my third year, having had some injury issues over the first year and a half of my career and really not having established myself at all either. So, you know, I went in, uh, I moved down to Dallas with the family about a month before camp and just, you know, basically said, Hey, I'm giving it everything I've got. I think this offense with Nelly and, and the small ball they play with at times and the spacing of the floor and shooting threes has a chance to really fit me. Um, and I went in and, and I had a, an unbelievable training camp. How much defense is practiced in a Don Nelson training camp? You know, quite a bit that year. Oh, yeah. okay. and, and the reason why is this. The reason why is so Avery Johnson, this was the year that he was going to be quote-unquote player coach. Right. Um, I remember that. Nelly, yeah, Nelly had a a big kind of grand plan that, hey, this is my offense still. I'm going to do this. But if we're going to be as good as as the pieces we have and we can do something, we're going to need to to really focus in on the defensive end. And he was willing right off the bat to give Avery uh, a ton of responsibility with that. You know, and I owe a lot of my career to Avery simply for Mm -hmm. the fact that, you know, I had mentioned I had a great training camp. Um, during that training camp time, they were finally able to uh, negotiate a buyout with one other guy to, to free up one more potential roster spot. And then, you know, it came down to the last you know week or so in training camp. If you kind of remember how Avery just all of a sudden stepped back and said, hey, I'm not playing this year. I'm just a coach. Mm-hmm. Um, I do a lot that. of that was due. A lot of that was due to the fact that I had such a good training camp. And Avery didn't want to take a, a roster spot away from a guy who who had earned it, knowing that he was just going to literally be coaching that year. Yeah. Um. So I owe a lot. I owe. I owe a lot to my opportunities. You know, towards the end. You know, that stretch of my career to Avery. I mean, it's a it's a pretty cool story. It's a pretty unique story, and not a lot of guys would have looked at it in the way that he looked at it, in the way that I was playing in training camp. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, as I was researching to talk to you, I did some Googling and everything, and I I found some pictures of, like, 
inner inner squad scrimmage and Avery was playing in it at that time, you know, leading up to that season. And you guys had those DFW jerseys on, not just ones that said Dallas. And, uh, so I just, yeah, I think we, I think that scrimmage was at uh, TCU, if I remember right. Yeah, it looked like it was. So, and, and up until that point, I had forgotten that he was going to have like a hybrid role, but then he did step back. But I wasn't aware that he did that for you. So, I mean, that's definitely a, a cool gesture on his part. Yeah, absolutely. So, do you have any like aside from training camp, like any notable memories of your time in Dallas? It not, not even necessarily like basketball related. Was there something that you and your family <laughs> liked to do here? Really? Yeah, Dallas yeah. was. Uh, I mean, we'd bounced around to a number of different places. We loved Dallas. Living in Dallas, we we rented a house in Plano. Um, oh, cool. My wife to this day, this is this that was one of the, her favorite stops. Even though we were there for, you know, only about you know three and a half four months. Uh, I think for me, a couple things. You know, maybe little stories that stand out were, uh, um, you know, J- Jason Terry and Devin Harris were kind of the guys who were kind of relegated to, to, to get the bulk of the minutes at the point guard. And, um, you know, like I said, I had a great training camp. And <laughs> both those guys were hurt one one day. And it was going to be, I think, I think it was playing against the Knicks. And so I was supposed to start the next night because I was the only point guard left on the roster. <laughs> it was going to be my first career start ever. Wow. Well, I come down with food, food poisoning the morning of the game. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was jacked up, excited to finally get a chance to start a game in the NBA. And then I don't even get to play because I get food poisoning. Um, so that was one, you know, really memorable story not in a good way the other story that I remember and this one was really interesting it was early in the season we've got a we've got a game the next night in Miami um, and it's on TNT and so there was a number of us that were going to go out to dinner myself Jason Terry uh, Dirk I think it was Stackhouse uh, and then a couple of the the, the trainer, Casey, and, and Al, uh, the equipment manager, who's a really good guy. Some of us were going to go uh, grab some dinner. And so there was two taxis. One of them we were getting into first. I think it was a van. And the last two guys to get into the taxi van was myself and Dirk. <laughs> and uh, I said, Dirk, you want the front seat? You're bigger. He's like, no, I'll just go ahead and get in, bro. I'll get in the back. So without even thinking about it, I get in the front seat and I just close the door of the van on the passenger side. Mm-hmm. And I feel a tap on my left hand shoulder and Dirk goes, open the door. I'm like, what? He goes, Dan, open the door. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, Dan, open the door. I look to the right and I shut his fingers in the, oh. in the van door on the passenger <laughs> side. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so that was, uh, you know, and, and this was after, you know, training camp just kind of having to earn my way on the squad I'm thinking yeah. oh great dirt he's MVP type guy I just broke his fingers <laughs> you know the trainer's nursing his fingers throughout the whole dinner trying to make sure he's all right <laughs> very next morning I get on an elevator go down to uh to catch the bus to get to shoot around and Don Nelson looks at me and he's got like this real funny smile <laughs> on his face and then he looks he looks at one of the other assistant coaches and he goes man that was too bad we had to cut dick out this morning and all the time <laughs> he knew what happened obviously and he, yeah. he's giving me a hard time all at the same time but it worked out because that night uh Dirk I think went out and had like 42 that night against my Miami so 
maybe somebody needed to slam his car, his fingers in the car door more often. <laughs> Sounds like it. That's that's really funny, and I'm I'm glad that you shared that with me because you know when when if I hear little anecdotes like that from some of the other players I've been talking to, that's like the reason I got into this. Just hear things that a lot of people don't know about. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah, um, absolutely. So I know early in that season, like early December, mid December, you're traded to New Orleans. Were you? surprised by that trade or was it something that you were kind of hoping to get to a situation for more playing time? I was completely surprised by it. One of the reasons why was I was, uh, you know, I had a great training camp and it kind of led into, you know, having great practices. I know no practice situations are limited in the NBA, but, you know, Avery became a big kind of advocate of mine. He supported me. You know, he was, hey, stay ready, stay ready. Opportunity is going to come. Del Harris was the same way, you know, and, and he's like, Hey, you're doing everything you, you, you can be doing as a young player to make the most of your opportunity when it comes, it, it, it's going to come. So you keep working and you keep hearing these things, but yeah, you get frustrated because you want to play. You wouldn't have gotten to that point if, if you don't care about playing and, and, and having success. Right. So, you know, I, I went up to Del Harris one day and we just kind of talked about some things and, you know, hey, what do I what do I need to do um, to get a shot? You know, I had a great training camp. He's like, hey, again, you're doing what you need to do. Just keep staying with it. Something's going to break. It always does in the NBA. Opportunity comes, make the most of it. So I think it was the next day or the day after we have a practice. Dell calls me uh, up into the offices and he says, hey, I, I want to talk to you. It's like, okay, well, maybe, uh, maybe he's calling, he's, bring me up here to kind of tell me, Hey, tomorrow you're going to get your opportunity to be ready. Mm-hmm. I got traded, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It was one of those blessings in disguise. Cause it was a good opportunity for me. They traded me to new Orleans, which mm-hmm. then, you know, was going through a complete overhaul of, of, of giving guy, young guys opportunities. And it, and it was perfect for me. It worked mm-hmm. out for Dallas. You know, Daryl Armstrong went to Dallas in that trade I believe he might still be on Dallas's staff. I know he, he ended is. up. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, well, shoot, who knows? Maybe if I was there, I would still be, uh, <laughs> you know, coaching with Dallas. Hard to say, but yeah. you know, it worked out for both of us. It got me the opportunity to play. They got him opportunity to play on a contending type team and, and kind of get his foot in the door with coaching. But, you know, it was funny because all the trades that happened in my career, that one is the one that, that was the funniest because I got in the car to call my wife um, because we were planning on going and getting a Christmas tree in Dallas that <laughs> night, that afternoon, as soon as I got home from, from, uh, from practice. And she yeah. said, well, we're going to go get the tree. I said, hold, hold on a second. We're not going to go get a tree. I just got traded. <laughs> <laughs> Did, uh, I know you have kids now. Did you have kids at that point? Yeah, we had one one kid at the time. Uh, we had a our oldest, Claire, uh, was a was a baby at the time. We've got five kids now, and wow. uh, we live in Spokane, Washington. And and I'm doing the broadcasting thing while I uh, kind of work with you know one other company, and then I own a business or two on the side. So things are busy, but you know what? Um, it's uh, it's fun. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I was just kind of curious as to like getting traded while having a family. It just sounds like a real pain in the ass <laughs> yeah I mean that's one of the things that you know the the average fan doesn't understand and realize I mean people see guys on tv and, and they're performing right mm-hmm. and and they think they can hurl an insult or have an, uh, a comment or 
think they know a player because of how they acted on the court. Mm -hmm. You know, but at the end of the day, these guys are just like everybody else. I mean, imagine, you know, you're, you have a particular job and you get a phone call and you're not just maybe, you know, fired like a lot of people, unfortunately get fired from jobs, but you're relocated and guess what? You got 48 hours to report to the next city and you also have a whole family structure and a whole family life that many times has to get figured out. Mm-hmm. For single guys, it's easy. For, yeah. for guys, like you said, with a family, I mean, you're thinking about, okay, me as a, as a single person, I can live in a hotel. I can go out to eat every meal. Well, you got family. You're thinking, where's, where's everybody going to live? Where's the kids' toys go? What about school if they're in school? I mean, it is – I mean, I could only imagine guys who are, you know, 12-year NBA vets with three kids in school and they get traded. I mean, I, I don't wish that on anybody anymore. Right. Um, so I know you went to to New Orleans after your time in Dallas, and that's where you really got some time to play and kind of prove that you belonged in the league. I just, I mean, was that, I'm assuming that's probably like the most fun you had in the NBA, right? I would yeah, think. I would say so. I mean, because yeah. then again, everybody, everybody wants to, as a young player, your focus is I want to play mm-hmm. so that I can extend my career. And then once you've done that, once you've had su- some success, you know, then you want to be, you know, in a, in a place where maybe you can win and, and then if possible have a chance to win a championship or go deep in the playoffs. For me, you know, I, I hadn't been in a position yet where I knew I was going to go get into every game, let alone, you know, probably start and play 30 plus minutes. So mm-hmm. getting to New Orleans, um, kind of working through some of that uncertainty the first couple weeks of, uh, you know, proving out myself to another coaching staff. Once that happened, and I knew I was going to play minutes, then it was it was a ton of fun. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I saw some highlights. Uh, I know you had like a lot of like several games scoring twenty plus points and just draining threes. I know you had a particularly good game against Portland, which was probably pretty fun for you, right? Yeah, it was. I mean, uh, I had a good game. I know uh, Nick Van Exel, who I guarded in the first quarter, had a good game. But then Damon Stoudemire, who um, I grew up. Uh, playing in in the summers and down in Portland in the Pro-Am League, he had a huge game. I think he had a career high like 54 that night. So it was a back and forth, up and down game. Yeah. Um, but thankfully, he didn't score all those on me. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I know after your stint there, you went to Boston. Is that is that where you, you tore your Achilles? Yeah. So that's where I got hurt. That's where, you know, kind of had the opportunity to f- sign a, a couple-year deal where mm-hmm. – um, I thought it was going to solidify me in one organization. And then you're right. I shortly thereafter, mid December, tear my Achilles. And then we're on uh, the rehab train and getting traded again <laughs> the very uh, summer at the NBA draft time. Yeah. Geez. So I know, I think your last, or no, you, you did play again with Portland briefly. And then mm-hmm. you also played with the Clippers and then also played overseas. Can you, touch on your overseas experience because the reason I'm asking is because I've talked to some previous players and, and they talk about things like they have difficulty or like they don't get paid consistently they don't get paid on time or they have poor accommodations did you run into any issues like that while you were playing overseas yeah we ran into absolutely every one of those nightmare situations oh. that you could imagine we went to Italy signed a two-year deal in Italy uh, we didn't last more than six weeks this the disagreement on 
you know, I had an injury in the training camp. They said I came hurt. They didn't pay me. Living accommodations weren't ready. Lived in a hotel with the family for six weeks. Oh, man. <laughs> Everything that you've probably heard from, from other guys yeah. we went through uh, during our short time in Italy. We did yeah. go back to Germany later later that year. It was much, much better. You know, but again, we talk about, um, we talked about, you know, families in the NBA, you get traded, that's difficult. You know, going over to Europe um, and playing, a lot of people think it's glamorous and it's all this, hey, you get to see the world. And you do for a certain extent, but it's a grind over there because, I mean, you're you're in another culture that, that like it or love it, and, and we liked both cultures. It was nothing against that. They just do things differently than you've grown up your whole entire life doing. And so, you know, the, the homesickness for all, everyone in your family is difficult. The getting used to of how things are done uh, is very difficult. And then you throw on top that, you know, you got to perform as an, as a, as a player. And if you lose, it's blamed on the American. And then you might not get paid on time, which is a very real thing over there. It can get yeah. frustrating. You know, it, it, it's a heck of an experience. I wouldn't have traded it for anything, mm-hmm. but it, it is definitely not an easy thing. So I highly, I mean, I really respect guys that have grinded it out for, you know, 10 years in Europe and made a heck of a career over there. Yeah, for sure. Got a couple more questions for you. And, and thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. I think you're, you're one of the few former Mavs that actually follows my Twitter account. So I think that's pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so I wanted to see, and I actually, I had one of these talks with Marquise Daniels just last night. And I asked him the same question that I'm about to ask you, but it, it, yours is for the season that you played with the Mavs. I wanted to see if you can name all the teammates you had but that like were on the regular season roster, not not the preseason training camp roster, just the ones that were there. In, the in Dallas? In Dallas, yeah, just in Dallas. <laughs> okay. Well, Marquise was on that team. He probably forgot me, I'm guessing. Oh, I asked um, him about his rookie year, so the season before you got there. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so Marquise would have been, I believe, a second year after he exploded onto the scene in the playoffs. So, yep. see, my year would have been Marquise, Mike Finley, Jerry Stackhouse, obviously Dirk, <clears throat> yep. Calvin Booth. Yep. Devin Harris was a rookie. Mm-hmm. Sean Bradley. Yep. Got him. Did I, did I say JT, Jason Terry? Nope, but you got him now. <laughs> Jason Terry, Alan Henderson. There you go. Man, there was another young wing. They had uh, we had Marquise Daniels, and then we had another wing that was, yeah. I think, drafted in the first round. And Marquise was uh, either second round or undrafted. Yeah, he went to Wake Forest. On a com- yeah, Josh Howard. There you he go. Was, yeah, how did I forget Josh Howard? <laughs> yeah. He was legit. Um, you got yeah, so three that's more. What, Twelve guys. Yeah, you got three more, including you. So really, just two more. <laughs> okay, man. No, Rafe wasn't on that team. Oh, no, no I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. You got, Portland you, got three, you got three more. I'm sorry. I, I totally missed <clears> three more. Oh, man, I feel bad <laughs> for this because usually I'm a basketball junkie. I remember every teammate. <laughs> um, there's a, I said Calvin Booth, yes, right? You, you did say Booth, yeah. Oh, man, this is going to – we're going <laughs> to hang up and I'm going to probably start hitting your Twitter feed trying to yeah. say, hey, I remember this guy. <laughs> um. I'm drawing a blank. You're going to have to help me with the last three. Sure. DJ Banga? Oh, yeah. He's a rookie. Yeah. Benga. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another rookie, uh, Pavel Podkolzin. Okay. And Eric Dampier. Yeah. 
That's right. I was in the trade with Dampier. How did I forget? Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. That's, That's all funny. right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then the other question I had is, uh, what's your favorite basketball movie? Oh, that is a good one. Um, you know, you always, there's, there's two favorite basketball movies. It's either Hoosiers mm-hmm. or uh, Pistol Pete, The Birth of a Legend. Those were two that I watched over and over again as a kid. I was kind of curious if you were going to say Celtic Pride. I know it's a stupid movie, but you played for them, and it, it makes me laugh like, whenever I watch it. If I, if I come across it, just the idea of uh, two blackout drunk fans kidnapping the opposing team's best player just kind of makes me laugh. Yeah, you know what? I've, I've only seen uh, that movie one time. Uh, I might have to Netflix it or something, see if it's on there. Yeah, it's uh, it's – it's it's fun. I I enjoy it, but I, I don't know what th- what that means. But I I enjoy it for sure. And then, um, yeah. The only other thing is, uh, I've got a really good buddy of mine. His name is Mike. Also, he's a big NBA fan, and I told him I was talking to you tonight, and he said you were one of his favorite collegiate players. So I told him I I try to get a shout out from you. Just yeah, just because he he really enjoyed your career, and, and he and he was excited that I was talking to you tonight. Awesome. Well, uh, Mike, thanks for being the uh, a, a fan of mine when I was with the Zags. I know. Uh, Made it to the Final Four championship game last year. They're gonna they're gonna be legit again this year. Maybe not Final Four worthy, but they'll be pretty good again. <laughs> well, cool. Thanks, thanks so much, Dan. Uh, I, I had a nice time talking with you, and I'll uh, I'll email you a link. You know, once I get this ready to post sure. online, I'm I'm trying to do one a week, so I'll probably do the Marquise one, and then and then yours will be right after that. Okay, sounds good. All right, cool. great. Thanks a lot. Yeah, have a great night. Yep. All right. Bye. Okay, bye.